This podcast is brought to you by 91.7 WCUR, The Curve, the voice of Westchester University. What's going on, guys? Got another edition of the Connor Mark Podcast alongside Mark Rogers calling in. I'm Connor Gabe, a very special guest today. Uh, we're bringing in Jordan Hall. He's a web producer and writer for the Philadelphia Flyers at NBC Sports Philadelphia, also a member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. You can follow him on Twitter at jhallnbcs. Uh, and also, you can yeah, no, you can follow him on Twitter there. Jordan, uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing great. Good, man. Yeah, good, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I know you've probably been so busy with, with, you know, just the restart and the playoffs, dude. So really appreciate you just taking time out and, and hopping on the podcast for a little bit. Absolutely. I felt bad. Uh, you know, there's multiple times where we were trying to link up, and um, I appreciate you guys being patient with me. And yeah, now that the season's over, uh, a little more free time, so uh, happy to come on. Not for sure. And also, yeah, ma- oh, no, Mark can go. Yeah, and I was going to say, yeah, man, on uh, – some unfortunate circumstances, maybe, uh, you know, if they went a little deeper, would have would have went a little longer, we would have been okay with that. But, um, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, they, you know, had a tough go at it. But still, you know, man, like I said, really appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely dive in um, to the team in depth and, and get your take on some things that I know that Connor and I have been discussing on here and, and very curious. So, um, dude, first of all, just, you know, want to ask you how you're doing and, and – um, like I said, I know you've been super busy with everything going on, but how has it been with the season over? Have you been as busy, more busy, or um, obviously slowing down? Yeah, it's a great question. Honestly, the, the off-season, the season never really stopped. Like, the off-season is still busy. Um, there's just different periods um, and kind of different elements of busyness. Um, this year, obviously, is unlike any other. The off-season typically is over the course of the summer, whereas now it's going to be kind of going into the fall, uh, going through October, and then leading up kind of towards the winter. Uh, but typically after each season, um, depending on how far the team goes, uh, usually you know, you're know you hopping right into the NHL draft in June. Typically after the draft, there's development camp, which is usually like a four- to five-day camp with prospects, and that's typically very busy and gets people excited for the future. And then after development camp, you typically have free agency open in July. And that can be kind of crazy because not only are you covering the draft, covering free agency, development camp, but you're usually building up content and articles leading up to that, kind of getting people excited about it, um, getting people informed about what, what direction the team might go. And then after free agency, that is typically when it slows down a little bit, maybe like later July and then through August. And then before you know it, you're gearing back up for a new season in September, uh, previewing training camp and getting ready for that. So uh, there's always, I think, stories to write, stories to tell, especially in today's day and age of social media, uh, the demand for content, uh, people uh, demanding uh, you know, the immediacy of content and wanting it 24-7. People are always on their phone, and that's how people get their, their news now. And people are on their phone 24-7 typically. So I think we're always trying to keep the reader involved, informed, give them something. Even when it's slow, give them something to kind of – some thought-provoking content that's going to kind of keep them interested uh, over the course of a 12-month year. So 
uh, always busy. But, um, yeah, with the season over now, it's closed down a little bit. And now you kind of just shift your focus to next year and, and what the team might do. So, uh, but, yeah, the playoffs, that, that's when it gets its craziest because it just seems like there's probably something every day in the morning and at night. Uh, it's almost uh, 24-7 uh, as the team goes farther in the playoffs. But now kind of shifting the focus to next season, and I'm sure, I hope, you guys and Flyers fans are excited about that. Jordan, with this uh, the bubble changing everything, obviously with the pandemic hitting in early March, you know the NBA approached the bubble and the NHL approached the bubble to you know continue the season and the playoffs. How did your job and experience change as a writer, and what kind of things uh, made it harder or more easier for you to cover this team and, and throughout the whole playoffs? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges was just not being at events or at practices and talking to players, talking to Elaine Vigneault in person, like what I really enjoy about my job is building relationships, talking to people and then telling stories. And when a big part of my job is having access to the locker room after practice or after a game. Um, and that's when you can really talk to these players, get to know them, kind of share stories, share information. And when you can't do that, obviously in a pandemic, we, you know, we couldn't do that. Access was completely limited. Uh, now everything is, interviews via Zoom or WebEx um, where you're not in person and maybe you're you're limited to one question. And then not only that, you're on an interview with probably 10 to 12 different media members and other media outlets, and they're all getting the same answers as you. That's okay. You can still tell stories and report information off of that, but I definitely miss going to practice and maybe chatting with the player one-on-one and getting a really cool story that maybe no one else really knew or no one else really um, had yet. Um, I, def miss, I definitely miss talking to players and the coaches and the, and the folks within the organization in person. I feel like that's the best way to tell stories. I think it's the best way to reach your readers. And I feel like just during this whole pandemic, we haven't had that. You know, we couldn't go to practices. Uh, we were at, at the training camp leading up to the return. There was a two-week camp, as you guys know, and we were able to go there, but we were still limited in access. We could watch, but we still did interviews via um, technology like WebEx uh, and Zoom. So um, that's been the biggest adjustment to me is just not being able to you know, be at events, communicate with people, see them face-to-face, -face, watch the games live, watch practices live. Um, you really become limited in that way, but everyone's got to adjust, and you just try to find – kind of unique, unique new ways to produce content and kind of reach your readers. So that's been something I've been trying to do. Um, I've been communicating a lot more via phone. Uh, during the pause, I was trying to connect with a lot of coaches on prospects and just try to find different ways to, to reach the reader and kind of give new information without actually having the access. So um, an adjustment for sure, but I'm um, looking forward to hopefully when things normalize and we can kind of get back to what we used to do. That's something I'll definitely, uh, I won't take for granted when we get that access. Yeah. So Jordan, it sounds like, you know, definitely just from, you know, that answer, it sounds like obviously there was a big change and, and, you know, with everything and all the health restrictions and, and obviously with the pandemic, there had to be change, but kind of sticking on, on that answer of how you love to build these relationships and, and make stories out of them. Um, you know, with the players that you speak to, what would you say was maybe one of your favorite Flyers moments or a story that, that you reported on that, you know, is, is most memorable? Yeah, great question. Because I think every um, writer or media member has some of, like, their favorite moments. Uh, 
for me, just this year, I think the whole Oscar Lindblom story was something very special to cover. Um, it was heartbreaking when it came out in mid-December that he was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, um, a rare uh, bone cancer. And so that was heartbreaking and shocking and stunning. But to be able to report on it day in and day out, talk to players, talk to people in the organization, follow Oscar's fight, um, kind of see the city rally behind him on top of obviously his teammates, uh, that was something I probably will never forget. And then obviously his story has now come kind of full circle. Now he is, you know, deemed cancer free. He's done his cancer treatments. Obviously he returned in the playoffs. And now he's kind of starting, you know, the, the new chapter of his life. So that's been really cool. Uh, getting to know Oscar before his diagnosis and knowing him as a human and then um, seeing what he had to go through and now seeing him uh, fight through it and kind of inspire everyone. That's been um, a very cool story that I certainly won't forget. Um, and then for me, I think one that I will always remember as well, and it was kind of when I first started covering the team, was uh, the 2015-16 season. Um, when they went to the playoffs, they snuck in late. They played the Capitals. And within that whole end of the season, start of the playoffs, it's actually when Ed Snyder uh, passed away, the founder of the organization, obviously Flyers icon, um, Larry the face of the Flyers. He passed away actually the day after the regular season finale and right before the team was getting ready to start its playoffs. And... That was just such a whirlwind. Um, I never got to know Ed Snyder personally, but I knew obviously about his significance. And just getting a chance to be around the team, talk to individuals uh, that knew him and how important he was to the organization, and uh, Philadelphia, the, the Philadelphia sports team. Um, and then what made that such a whirlwind was, you know, I was up in New York. Uh, they, their regular, they, they got into the playoffs on game 81. Um, it was a home game. They got in. Game 82 was in New York. Uh, they played the Islanders at the Barclays Center. Uh, the game wasn't important, obviously. They didn't need that game to get in, but went up to New York, covered the final game, regular season finale, get, gearing up for the playoffs. I sleep in New York overnight at a hotel. I wake up the next morning, and that's when X Snyder passed. So I'm like, okay, let me, you know, try to get some stories up on Ed Snyder, then I'll drive home and try to get ready for any type of media availability back here in Philly or in New Jersey where they practice. Um, and then throughout, and then, you know, it's like on top of doing and covering Ed Snyder, um, that they were beginning the playoff series against the Capitals, the best, like one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference at the time. So I'm trying to cover that. I'm getting ready to go to Washington, D.C. And then in the middle of the playoff series, they had his memorial service. Uh, they had a celebration of life at the Wells Fargo Center in the thick of the series, um, which was really cool. It outed me for a busy time, but it was very cool to report and be at his celebration of life. To be able to cover that in person was really neat and hear stories and people remember him, talk to players. Um, that was a very powerful moment. Um, and then I went back to D.C. and they had a, you know, they had a game five there. They forced the game six, brought it back to Philly and then lost. Um, but so that was a, crazy time a like a major whirlwind and kind of introduced me to the whole that was my first year covering the team my first year really traveling and being around it kind of full time uh so it was a crazy time but a time once it's like all said and done it's like a time you definitely don't forget so i would say that ed snyder's memorial service on top of the playoffs that year in 2016 uh that was a pretty cool moment i, I definitely won't forget 
Yeah, Jordan, I, that is really cool. And I, I, for as young guys like me and Mark who are, um, you know, are doing podcasting and, and radio and, and writing and stuff like that at, uh, at a young age, just getting out of college, what advice would you give us, uh, you know, as, as guys coming out of college and want to get into sports media and writing and stuff like that? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice would probably be two things. Just one, um, really get after it in terms of wanting to get experience. Like this right now, your podcast is awesome. It's great experience something you can put on your resume. It's something you can show to um, employers and um, and it's just good experience. Like it, even if you're not getting paid for it or um, if you don't feel like the rewards are right there in front of you, like your fingertips, it will pay off. Um, you might have to be a little patient, but um, that's the biggest thing I think is just getting experience. Like when I went to college, I told myself in my four years, I was going to get as much experience as possible. Uh, to put on my resume and to set myself up well for graduation. Um, I did as many internships as possible. Um, got as much experience uh, with different groups. My, you know, I, I, where I went to school, I went to Ryder University in New Jersey um, and got involved in my student newspaper, filled up my, my clips at the newspaper. Um, then I started getting internships. And once I got one internship, I was determined to get another one and try to kind of parlay it into more experience and what makes it the two what makes it two parts is getting experience and putting it on your resume. But when you do that as well, you network. It just almost naturally you network. You're meeting people within the field, um, and then you're kind of building up connections. And when when you really need those connections, when it comes time to graduate or when you want to take the next step and try to get a job, uh, you're going to have people that you know who are going to probably be willing to go to bat for you, whether it's hire you, give you more experience or maybe um, recommend you to someone else. Um, it's such like a people person, uh, know, like who, who do you know in the business? It's not just, you know, you need to work hard, don't get me wrong, but um, if you network well and you get the experience, um, all of a sudden you start knowing more people, you start knowing people that know people, and um, it's just going to give you a better chance uh, for when you are ready to graduate and when you are ready to hopefully apply for jobs and uh, take the next step. Um, you'll be ready for it. You'll be ready for it and uh, you'll have more opportunities. So that was my biggest, my two biggest things was getting experience, being open to all internships, all types of experience, um, paid or not, and then just valuing the networking aspect of it. Um, Connect with people, keep those relationships strong. If it's just a simple checking back in over a few months, just saying, hey, how are you doing? See, you've been doing this excited to read your work or excited to see that here's kind of what I'm doing. I mean, it's a great way to stay in touch with people and then it will only help you uh, down the road. So those were probably my, those will probably be my two biggest uh, pieces of advice. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that Jordan. And, you know, kind of from, from what Connor said as well. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people in our position who listen to this podcast, you know, love sports, love podcasting, love, everything that comes with the sports media. So, you know, I think, I think what you said is something that everyone can do. I think it's just, you got to put the work in and you got to be committed. So, um, you know, I really appreciate you again, sharing that with us. So now kind of diving, um, you know, into the flyers and, you know, again, we're, we're really appreciate you coming on. This is awesome. And, you know, us as flyer gurus, we love any information we can get. So kind of diving into sure. this team, I first wanted to get your take on what you think first, um, you know, what did you like from the Flyers in, in the regular season? 
Um, I know, you know, that the restart was a huge question for every team. And, you know, they, they took a long period of time off. So what did you think of them in the round robin? And then, you know, all the way up to, to unfortunately, where they got eliminated in the playoffs. Sure. And, you know, I, I just wanted to uh, kind of uh, point out a great point that you just had there, too, about putting in the work and going after it. If I need to give a quick little example, um, I did when I was in college, I really wanted to do internships. That was something I thought I would value highly, and it would look good on my resume. Um, I did five, and uh, only four, uh, four of them were not paid. Some were for student credit. Um, some weren't for anything. Uh, only one was paid. And um, just for me, for me, I personally valued that because I wasn't worried about getting paid. I, I knew I could do the side job, get paid, um, get a buy. But I, I just really valued the experience. And then also when I got into this, I started at NBC Sports Philadelphia, where I am now. I was there when I was in 2012, um, and I was part-time for four years. Part-time, just did a lot of multimedia kind of web production work. and um, But was patient and just wanted to get my foot in the door and uh, just put in the work and understand that um, the experience would pay off. That if I you know, got my foot, at the door, foot in the door at a, at a place like that, um, if I could just kind of... Um, uh, kind of put the work in and be patient, it, it would pay off. So could not agree more with that. I'm glad you really brought that up. And, and that would be something I would definitely recommend for a lot of people uh, that you might not get exactly what you want from day one. But uh, if you if you put in the work and, and you're willing to get the experience and not the immediate reward, uh, I think you'll be you guys will be fine in this business. But um, but yeah, as, as far as uh, the Flyers this year, I, I think I think for me, the, the overall season was an absolute success. If I'm a Flyers fan, um, I'm thrilled with what they did this season. As, as gut-wrenching as it is to lose in Game 7, especially in the fashion that they did, 4 nothing, they were never really even in the game. What they did in terms of the strides they took from last year to this year, it's just, I think it's staggering. Um, last season, they were an absolute mess. The organization was a mess. Uh, they had one of their worst seasons over the last 20-plus years. They finished with 82 points, which was their fewest since 2006-7 um, when they were god-awful. And then in the middle of the last season, they fire their head coach. They fire their general manager. They fire an assistant coach. They fire an assistant general manager. They just go through some serious, startling, franchise-shifting change. And for the very next season, to be as positive as it was in terms of doing your first playoff series since 2012, your your head coach in his first season with the team, the Jack Adams finalist, um, you had 89 points. You had seven more points than you did last season, despite playing 13 fewer games because of the stoppage. Um, I just thought the organization got away from kind of these baby steps. Baby steps being getting to the playoffs, having a, a, a good regular season, not just sneaking in through inconsistency and getting in on the last day. They had a really productive regular season they get into the playoffs in a good spot they give themselves an actual chance to contend they get one game away from the east final which would have been their first east final since 2010 i think the organization was pretty stagnant over the last seven seasons without winning a playoff series only making the playoffs three times i think they were very stagnant and they they got back to the the important steps of eventually getting to contention and um, to do that in one year, in one year turnaround. It didn't take two to three. It didn't take three to four. 
they did it in one season. Um, I thought that was pretty impressive, and I, I just think they're built for more for more runs. I really do. Um, I think they're only getting better. Time is ticking a little bit because they have some core pieces, obviously, that have been here and aren't getting younger, but I don't think those core pieces are declining by any means, I, and if they are at all, I don't think it's going to be a stark decline. So uh, I think they're built for more runs, and I think the overall season was an absolute success. Yeah, Jordan, the beauty of this uh, this shortened season is, or this this pandemic that pushed the season back, because now it's going to be a short off season. So, what kind of up, what kind of um, improvements can Chuck Fletcher and this and this Flyers front office make so that they can finally finally make that push, you know, to, towards an Eastern Conference final and hopefully a Stanley Cup final? Absolutely, because they need to be better. Like they they shouldn't be happy with where they are. Um, at the end of the day, um, they were not good enough to beat the Islanders, they were not good enough to be in the East Finals. So it shows you they still have more room to grow and they have more, and they have hope, too. Uh, in terms of what they could add in the offseason, I don't think anything, I don't think it's going to be anything loud or sketchy. I just think it's going to be maybe a subtle addition here and there. And that's kind of what they did last offseason. Last offseason, they definitely did more than what they'll do this offseason. Um, but some of their additions weren't, you know, crazy loud moves that um, kind of shook the NHL. Kevin Hayes was their biggest addition, and he, even he was a player that really hadn't put, in a, put up, like, big-time offensive numbers yet. Um, he was still kind of – he's still kind of reaching his prime. Um, he hadn't scored more than 25 goals in a season yet. He hadn't scored, I think, more than 55 points. Um, so he's still hitting his offensive prime. And then they just made kind of quiet, subtle, but um, difference-making moves. Matt Niskanen, Tyler Pitlick, Justin Braun, um, moves like that. I think we could see something similar this offseason because it's going to be tricky with um, with the economic state of the league. Uh, the cap is going to remain flat, and it couldn't remain flat for multiple seasons where obviously typically each year it climbs. Um, it's not going to climb. So a lot of teams are not going to have cap space. They weren't going to have cap space to, to begin with. Um, but especially now with the flat cap, uh, they're not going to have a ton of room to spend. One, because they just don't have it. Two, because they have younger players that they need to resign to new deals. If anything, maybe they make a trade uh, that could garner some type of big return. But I'm not sure they're going to be super proactive in looking to trade. I think they really like their group. I think what they're really going to rely on, and something they kind of relied on going into this season, was some of their young players taking big strides. And they got that in 2019-20. Oscar Lindblom took major strides before his cancer diagnosis. He was projected to finish with 30 goals um, in his second season. Uh, Joel Faraby came up and played um, as a 19-year-old rookie. He's now 20, uh, but for the most part was in the NHL and, and was making a difference. Uh, Philip Myers became an everyday guy on defense. Uh, Travis Konecki became an all-star went from kind of um, a, a mid-tier player to an all-star set career highs across the board. So, And then, of course, Carter Hart in that uh, the franchise goalie, the future, and he really kind of took uh, the reins and looks like he's the future now in that. So they had a lot of guys that they liked in-house, and I think they're going to do the same this year. I think they might make subtle additions, but at the same time, they're really going to rely on guys like Joel Therapy to take another stride. Morgan Frost, a first-round pick with all types of scoring potential to possibly take another big stride. Uh, Nolan Patrick, if he can come back from his migraine disorder 
can maybe uh, look like a second uh, look like a second overall pick and really help them down the middle. They have some in-house young talent that I think they're not going to get away from and they're going to trust to take the next step and kind of supplement the core. The core is here, and they can they need these young guys to continue to kind of supplement them, push them forward. Um, I think that's where they're going to rely on most. Maybe they make a few quiet moves, but um, I don't think they're going to do anything super ladder flash. I think they like what they have, and they feel like um, they believe they were a game away from the East Final and that um, they're not far off. Yeah, and, and kind of jumping into that, you know, young core that you kind of spoke about, Jordan, um, you know, this this is a personal, um, you know, I guess, thought for me. Um, I know how you alluded to Nolan Patrick with his migraine disorder. And, and first, my question is, um, you know, any updates that you can provide on that? And, and, you know, based off of that and, you know, even just based off your knowledge, do you see this Flowers organization sticking with him long term or do you think he could possibly – um, you know, be moved? Great question, because right now, the organization doesn't really have any reason not to be optimistic, right? He's only mm-hmm. 21 years old. I think he actually turns 22 this month. And he's under contract still. He's going to be an RFA this all season, so he'll be doing new deal, but they have, they have team control on him. Um, so there's no real reason to not be optimistic. Uh, It'd be one thing if he was later on in his career and he could be a USA and he hadn't played. Maybe at that point you say, hey, listen, it doesn't look like he's going to play again. Um, let's put our resources somewhere else and uh, kind of move move, move on. But he's still very young. This is something new. And he, he's under team control. So um, I don't see them parting ways with him. I, I understand why they're optimistic because there's really nowhere to go but up in his situation. Um, throughout the season, they they maintained this belief that he would play, that he would play, that he would play. But that was just, a, I think, a positive mindset. It was just, hey, he's going to play. Let's instill belief in him and let's, let's hope he turns things around and he can find the proper treatment um, and kind of find out what works for him. Uh, I think what is in store for him this offseason is I think he might have kind of a prove-it deal I think his next contract could maybe be one, two years, very cheap. Um, I think that would be a good deal for both parties because, one, the Flyers won't have to give him or commit too much to him in terms of money or years. Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty around his situation. And then Nolan Patrick can kind of bank on himself at the same time. Uh, he can maybe go out there, prove himself, and then kind of create his own payday. Um, if he's back and he's playing the way people kind of expected him to play. So I can maybe see like a one or two year deal at pretty cheap and kind of uh, have both sides want to see more. Nolan Patrick probably wants to see more from himself to get his next contract after this one. And then the Flyers probably want to see what he can do before they really commit anything too long term. Uh, so I think that's the situation with Nolan Patrick. As for any updates, uh, Chuck Fletcher, for the general manager, said the other day that Nolan was doing really well in the off, you know, during this stoppage. Um, he's sleeping better. Uh, he's living a mostly normal life. He's skating. Uh, he's active. Um, so it sounds like all things are pointing towards him uh, feeling better and kind of living normally again. Uh, as for what that means hockey-wise, it's just there's just a lot of gray area. You just don't know. Um, you want to be optimistic about him, and you want to – hope he feels better and he can get back to playing. You don't want to see anyone go through that. But 
at the same time, the biggest hurdles will be come training camp. Can he be involved in contact practices? How will his body and how will everything react after he goes through a normal situation again where he's taking contact and he's playing normally like everyone else? Uh, and then it's just going to be seeing how everything reacts, seeing how it evolves with time. And if things go well, then great. Maybe he can uh, feel with himself again and know what works for him and know uh, how, how to move forward day in, day out uh, during this NHL grind. But th- that will be the biggest thing. Him feeling great right now is awesome for him living normally. But in terms of playing in the NHL and the physicality of it and the pace of it, he really needs to get through contact practices and feel great the next day, feel good the next day and have no hiccups. Um, and if that can lead to him playing in games, uh, that will be great for the organization for him. But still big hurdles to go. We don't know when the season will start. Uh, the biggest step will be come training camp and he get back at it like he normally would. Jordan, the NHL draft is slated for three weeks uh, three weeks away, and the Flyers are going to be picking uh, 25th in the first round. With the draft coming up, do you know any news or rumors where the Flyers may go uh, with this late-round pick? Do you think they may be trade up or to trade back uh, out of the first round? Yeah, um, I think they like their draft spot. Uh, I, I've spoken with their assistant general manager, whoever sees their scouting and their draft, uh, their draft work. Um, he doesn't think it's a particularly high-end draft. He believes like the top 12 uh, picks are pretty high-end players, pretty quality players. And then it kind of it kind of tapers off a little bit, but they do like the depth, though, in terms of the first and second round. So they believe they're going to get a good player where they are. Um, I don't see them doing any like loud trades in terms of trades involving players now on their roster, kind of like what they did uh, when Ron Hexel was GM the year uh, they traded Braden Shen, and they and they got picks uh, to move up, and they got another first round pick. Um, the one pick resulted in Morgan Frost. They got they got an. It was actually the year they got Nolan Patrick. It was the 2017 draft. They traded Braden Shen. They drafted Nolan Patrick at number two overall, and then they got another first round pick. They got Morgan Frost, and then they got a first round pick the following season, which turned out to be Joel Therabee. So. Uh, the trade worked out for both sides there. Braden Shen went on to win the Stanley Cup with the Blues, and he's been pretty productive. Flyers got two really good first-round picks uh, that look like promising players. But I don't think they'll do anything of that magnitude. But I could I could absolutely see them moving up if they really like a player. Um, they will absolutely do that. I will say last year they had a little more wiggle room and a little more flexibility in terms of their assets. They had more picks, um, so they could, they could maneuver a little bit more by using those extra picks, uh, I know they moved up last year to get Bobby Brink in the second round because they really liked him. Um, so maybe they do that. If they, they have the player they love and they think they're not that player's not going to fall to him, yeah, maybe they trade a later round pick or a pick in the future uh, to get them. But um, I think they like where they're at, um, and I think they're going to focus on center. They're gonna, Brent Flair, the assistant general manager, told me that they're going to draft best player available, and typically you do in that spot especially in the first round. It's not like, you know, it's not like, um, it's not like the NBA where you're getting a, uh, you're dressing for need and you're getting a guy that's going to play right away. Uh, you don't necessarily get guys that are going to play right away. You're kind of thinking more, you know, two, three years away maybe, and you're also thinking where are we in need in terms of organizational depth, not roster depth. But I do think they're going to look at center. It's a position that's always a premium position. And last year they didn't dress a center. 
Uh, they went heavy on defensemen. They did some wingers. I think this year they're going to look for a center, maybe the best center available uh, if, if they're going to look anywhere. But I think they will go after centers throughout the draft because uh, I think it's an area they can kind of um, they can kind of stock the cupboards a little bit more uh, now that they have a lot of defensemen and uh, they have some nice stuff at wing as well. So center, I think, is a position they'll still eye. Yeah, so kind of kind of building off those uh, draft points and, and draft picks as well. Um, I know Ron Hextall was uh, sometimes heavily criticized for the amount of patience he had with this um, very young core that he's drafted during his time. I know, you know, Faust was a big one you pointed out. Um, you know, and then some of the newer guys like Wyatt Wiley, Cam York, um, Bobby Brink. I like all those guys, Brink especially, but. Out of those guys and, and even deeper, um, you know, some other prospects, have you heard anything on, on maybe some guys that could potentially make the roster next year or come up and, and make an impact on this team? Yeah, the point on Ron Hextall was great. Um, really, really smart, intelligent GM, knew how to kind of rebuild, uh, knew how to kind of change the Flyers' ways. The Flyers kind of got away from drafting and developing. They kind of got into this go-for-it-every-year mantra. And it started to started to bite them in the butt because uh, once they started acquiring kind of veteran players, um, they didn't have anything in the system to kind of set them up for the future. Uh, Ron Hessel did a hell of a job drafting and developing and setting the organization up, not for just one year, but multiple years. So kudos to him. Uh, I think he just lacked the urgency to kind of take the next step. How could he supplement what was here and take that next step. And I think Tuck Fletcher came in and did a good job of that. Tuck Fletcher has always given credit to Ron Hextall about really setting up the organization well with prospects and picks and young players that have exciting futures. But um, what I think Fletcher, credit to him, I think he came in and gave the core help. Kind of kind of got it past that middle phase and kind of took the next step by uh, putting pieces around it without blowing it up, uh, essentially. So, uh, yeah, as far as prospects, uh, there's a lot of guys to like. I think Frost, there's still a ton of potential there. Um, only 21 years old. Seriously, a high-end playmaker. I think the biggest thing for him is just building strength, looking like an NHL player, and um, playing 200 feet. The Flyers are huge on playing 200 feet. Like if you look at what they have at center, they had Sonkin Korea, who's like a six foot two, six foot three center that plays 200 feet, welcomes contact. Wants to play in both ends. Kevin Hayes, six foot five center, big guy, protects the puck. Wants to play in both ends of the rink. And then even Nolan Patrick, when he's healthy, he's known for his two hundred feet prowess. Guy's going to play both ends of the rink. He's big. He's not super flashy maybe all the time, but he's going to play two hundred feet. I don't think Frost is there yet, and I think it's going to just take some time for him to kind of build up his strength and then also. Um, his puck management skills, when he, what to do with the puck, uh, and then also when he doesn't have the puck, what to do without it. Uh, so I think he's getting there, but a ton of excitement around him and a guy that I think we'll see a lot more next year than we did this year. Um, and then Cam York, I think, is a defenseman they're very high on, a guy that I think could really dictate kind of some of the decisions they make on defense. Will they be more willing to trade Shane Gossett there if Cam York has a really productive year at Michigan as a sophomore this year coming up. Um, Cam York, I think, is a guy that's probably going to turn pro after his sophomore season at Michigan. Unless things go terribly wrong and he's injured and 
uh, can't play and maybe he has a real um, unproductive year, uh, I think they're going to want him to turn pro. I think Cam York will want to turn pro. And before you know it, he's going to be uh, at Lehigh Valley in their system and kind of climbing fast. And he's obviously an offensively skilled defenseman, moves the puck with his legs, really skilled, can put up points. Um, I've heard really high things on him. And he's a fast riser, uh, kind of like a Joel Farabee type. Joel Farabee was a one-and-done in college, real advanced kid that um, climbed the ladder really fast um, and kind of dictated decisions a little bit for the Flyers. So I think uh, the fact that Cam York gets here, uh, it could dictate decisions on defense in terms of maybe trade candidates, uh, filling other areas in need via trade, um, and then also whether they want to resign certain guys or not. So Cam York, very exciting player. And uh, I want to ask you guys, too. I, I like Bobby Brink a ton. I've talked to his college coach at Denver. Very high on him in terms of hockey IQ, the way he sees the game. Um, a kid that the Flyers really saw had first-round pedigree and fell to them in the second round. Uh, smaller guy, but uh, if you give him time, uh, I think he could be a really uh, solid playmaker to probably play in your bottom six, playing your top six. Um, exciting player. But if, if you guys could pick, if there's a prospect you're most excited about, who would you guys take? Uh, well, if I, well, I mean, oh, no, Mark can go. Yeah, my fault. I didn't mean to cut you up. Uh, dude, I mean, I love Bobby Frank just because, um, you know, I grew up playing hockey myself, and, and I'm a smaller guy. Um, yeah. And I feel like he, he kind of brings the grit to the game that the Flyers, um, you know, they're known for um, and, and have that mentality. And, and like you said, he can make plays. If you give him space, he's quick. Um, he has great, you know, IQ and, and playmaking ability. I like what I saw from him, and uh, I'm pretty sure he played in the World Juniors. So uh, for USA, so I love him all around, um, and I love these kids coming out of out of you know playing college hockey rather than um, junior hockey, just because you know it's they're playing in America, which is pretty cool to see that that some of these guys are coming out so productive from where some of these guys are coming out of the OHL and and you know Q and the WHL. So I'm excited to see Brink, and I'm really happy to hear that Cam York sounds that promising because, um, you know, I, I really like Cole Caulfield. I know he was there, um, or he was one pick behind York, but um, I'm happy to hear York's looking pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I love Morgan Frost, and I know you made a good point about, you know, him not being there with his 200 foot game, and, and he need, definitely needs to put on weight as well. But maybe there's a, you know, an opening slot for him on the wing somewhere uh, next season. It depends. I don't know because with as you alluded to with Bobby Brink playing college hockey and and usually that transition is very hard to make from college hockey to the pros. But I didn't think Joel Fairbill was going to make the roster right away either. But uh, or that early on in the season and he did. So I, I mean I, I'm hopefully you know Morgan Frost can make the team next year, make a big impact, and see and keep seeing these young guys like Faraby and and Oscar Limblom and Nolan Patrick you know start making strides to hopefully push this team you know further on to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the good thing is the Flyers were really open this year to playing younger kids. Like, uh, I, I just, I actually just, I think, tweeted out in, in the playoffs, uh, only one team had scored uh, more goals from rookies this year, uh, and it's the Stars, who obviously just went to the Stanley Cup final the other night. Uh, the Flyers have, the Stars had 13 goals from rookies in the playoffs. The Flyers had eight. Um, and then uh, they played a ton of rookies this year and a ton of um, guys. I saw their NHL debuts. And I thought that was promising. I thought that was good. Um, I, I think it was um, 
Elaine Yo got kind of misperceived as a guy that wouldn't play young players or maybe favored veterans or young players. I just don't think he saw that. I think it, I thought the Flyers were very open to change and giving their young kids um, experience. And yeah, I think Frost is one that uh, is very exciting. And I, you know, I thought it was great that he got a cup of coffee this year. And I think we saw him in his first few games what he can do offensively in terms of making plays. And I think he has said he's open to playing the wing. Uh, if they're really full at center, um, he can play both positions. And, yeah, Bobby Brink, yeah, smaller kid, just a ton of playmaking ability. And people I've spoken to have just raved about his hockey IQ. And I spoke to him. He's a good kid, too. I've, I've spoken to him at uh, at development camp, and he definitely said that slipping to the second round is something he won't forget. And he definitely said this. You know, playing at a smaller size is something he's always had a chip on his shoulder. It's like it's always been something that kind of motivated him. So, kind of a quiet uh, kid. Uh, his coach even called him kind of boyish, just kind of just you know, young kid that um, you know isn't gonna say much, but inside is quiet. His coach said he kind of has a quiet fire. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And I think yeah, you, you guys hit on it. The organization I think has a lot of young prospects to to be excited about Cam York being one, Morgan Frost being another, and Bobby Brink a little farther away, but a guy that I think um, people are going to want to keep eyes on in Denver next year. Yeah, Drew, I want to ask you about uh, upcoming unrestricted free agent for the Flyers, Brian Elliott, who, you know, he had a pretty good year behind Carter Hart, and when his number was called, he, he did step up to the plate. Uh, Justin Braun, who was traded in the offseason, you know, played pretty well for a third-line defenseman along with Hag and, and Ghost at times. Uh, Tyler Pitlick, who is, you know, a fourth-line grinder. I think the fans really liked watching him this year and uh, making plays offensively. Uh, Derek Grant, who was added at the deadline. Nate Thompson, who was added at the deadline. Do you see uh, what kind of players from that list do you think, you know, come back for uh, for another season with the Flyers, and who do you think gets let go by Chuck Fletcher? Yeah, I thought Justin Braun was – I thought he was pretty good this year. Uh, he I, he didn't have a very positive start. There were times where he was kind of getting burned, and uh, you know, on rushes. And, um, you know, he's not the fleetest of foot, but uh, he is really good in the senses. And I think Flyers fans kind of forget where they came from in terms of you know, I'm not trying to knock Andrew McDonald or Racco Gudis. Those are good, good people. Um, but I just feel like they really upgraded with a guy like Justin Braun in terms of what he does in the defensive zone, the way he kills plays and gets the puck going back north um, without pushing it himself. But really good in the defensive zone, really active stick. I thought he was really active in one of their better defensemen from like the Christmas time to the stoppage. Uh, I think they're going to be more open to signing him than some people think. I understand his age. Um, and I understand they have depth on the blue line, but it's a guy that's, you know, maybe not going to be looking for much on the market um, at his age. Maybe, you know, he's uh, maybe just looking for a year or two um, for a cheap deal and just looking for a more, like a little more stability. Um, I don't know if they will resign him. I, saying what I'm saying now, I don't know if they will resign him because they do have good depth on the blue line and they do have options. Uh, but I think they like what they got out of Braun in terms of just, his experience playing in playoff games and just being good and steady. You know, they ha- they already have a lot of kind of playmaking, uh, get the puck up ice defensemen. Braun was just a real solid third pair with Robert Hay that you didn't notice much, and that was a good thing. Um, if I'm leaning towards them probably signing one of those USAs, I think it's going to be Tyler Pitlick just because um, I really like Tyler Pitlick. I just thought he was guy that could actually scale your lineup, could play on different spots. And he's just constantly north-south, 
constantly playing the Dino style of what they want. Um, you knew what you were going to get out of him from effort. And I think he can provide more offense than what we thought. Uh, Eagles, 12 assists, good in the playoffs. Um, a guy that can maybe flirt with 10 to 15 goals in a full season. Um, and just really kind of fits their style. And he was, he only had a $1 million cap hit this year. Obviously will be a USA. I don't think he's going to demand much. He's only 28. Uh, he, you know, you can maybe get him for a year or two uh, for relatively cheap, and he's not going to really block you, I think. He's not going to block any kids or prospects in any key areas. Uh, one guy I was optimistic about was Derek Grant. When they got him at the trade deadline, I really thought he was just a rental. 700, you know, he made the uh, league minimum at $700,000. He was set to be a USA, and he turned 30. And I thought he was just a solid rental. So he was so positive in that seven-game stint before the stoppage. I thought if he had a really good playoff, maybe they would be open to signing him, just given that he maybe wouldn't demand a whole lot, given he was coming off of making the league minimum. And then he's a guy that can, you know, play winger. He can play center. He's big. He kind of plays uh, that tough-to-play-against tough style. He helps on your PK. But he disappointed me in the playoffs. don't think they got what they wanted out of him in the playoffs. Uh, heck, he was a healthy crack in Game 7. Uh, I think that said a lot. So I think they're, they're going to let probably Derek Grant, Nate Thompson walk. Um, I think they will be kind of half and half on Brian Elliott. Uh, if Brian Elliott, Brian Elliott had a really productive year. Maybe he gets two years from another team. Uh, at his age, at 35 years old, he probably would really be open to more years than probably money per se. He's probably just looking for, you know, job security. Um We'll have to see. I think he could get two years from a team, whereas I'm not sure if the Flyers want to go there yet. Uh, if I had to bet on one of those USAs coming back, I'm going to say Tyler Pitlick just because I think he's going to come cheap. Um, he's not going to block them at any position. And uh, and I think he had a really productive, quiet season, and I think he'll be open to coming back. That, that's my pick. Yeah, so, you know, kind of building off of all those key pieces, Jordan, and, and you know, and, and guys that fit this lineup, which, you know, I thought was the biggest thing. Um, you know, I know earlier you alluded to, you know, how, how much success this team kind of had from last year. Elaine Danielle being, a, you know, at, at the core of that, along with Chuck Fletcher and, and some guys they brought in. Um, you know, I thought it was an absolute snob that, that Danielle didn't get the Jack Adams. Um, but, you know, that's besides the point. And, and, you know, I love how he just, He's a big role type of coach, and when I say that, he brings in guys like we were just talking about, like Pitlick, Thompson, Grant, Roffle, to fill out the bottom of the lineup when you have some more skilled guys at the top and connect Nika Terrier and, and Giroux, and even on the back end, the way he paired guys up. But kind of dive it in now to the biggest piece of this team and, and the future, as we say, you know, the savior, as some people may call him. I mean, Carter Hart is just unreal at his age, and his poise we, we talk about on the show all the time. Uh, the dude never looks phased. I don't know how, but, you know, what are your expectations kind of for him next season and, and you know, for his career here as he is, um, you know, sought off to be maybe a Vesna Trophy winner in the next two years? Yeah, I think the reason why the excitement is so high is not only obviously he's 22 years old and he's already performing like a, like a top goaltender in the league. Kevin Hayes the other day said he believes, he believes, he believes Carter Hart deserves to be in the conversation one of the better goalies in the league. Pretty, um, it's pretty telling at 22 years old that he's already kind of getting his name in there. 
Uh, but what really tells me he's going to have success is he's just such an innocent, humble kid. Like, like people say, obviously, he's very mature for his age, and that's very true in terms of, like, his approach. But he's just a kid that is innocent and humble and enjoys playing hockey and wants to work hard. Like, he never really gets too high. Like, anytime he has uh, big-time success and we try to ask him about it, like, he just doesn't open up about it. Like, he doesn't get too high where you think, like, is this getting to his head? Like, he just is not like that. He truly is just an innocent kid who uh, I think just enjoys playing hockey, enjoys being around friends and family, and wants to work hard. And Jacob Borchek left about it during the playoffs. He said it, it's probably a good thing that he's sort of an oblivious, innocent kid because uh, playing goalie in Philadelphia, as you guys know, brings immense amount of pressure just given the history of the organization and really how they have had such goalie instability since probably around Hextall. And um, he just doesn't he just doesn't get saved by that because he's just a kid. He just doesn't care for it. I remember when we had him in development camp before he um, was turning pro. I think at that point, I think he was like 19 going on 20. It was before his first season in Lehigh which ended up being his first season with the Flyers as well last year. He said he deleted Twitter. He said, I deleted Twitter. I just don't care for it. I don't need that attention. And you could tell it wasn't really a tough decision for him because he's just such a kid. Like, he didn't care for it. He's just like, that's just not who I am. You know, I'm, I just want to play hockey and uh, be around uh, teammates and be around family. And uh, that told me a lot that uh, <laughs> it's probably a good thing he was off Twitter, so he's not reading anything on Twitter getting too high or too low, uh, playing in a city like this. But uh, that, that makes me think he's going to be very successful because um, he's motivated by failure and he does not get too ahead of himself with success. Um, he really keeps it within himself. Even during the playoffs, uh, the first round, when we continued to ask him about Perry Price, it's a very cool storyline for us writers. Here's a kid who's going up in his first ever playoff series going up against his childhood idol, Harry Price, um, a guy that was winning a Vesna and a Hart Trophy when Carter was like in his first year of junior hockey. Like Carter really looked up to him, and here he is going, you know, head to head with him in the playoffs. And he never really opened up about that too much. Um, he just kind of stayed focused. And I think that told me a lot about Carter Hart. Um, and how he's just going to remain consistent. He's going to be consistent and uh, a guy they can rely on. And it really is refreshing, I think, for everyone in Philly to kind of see the future. Not a guy that's maybe here for a year or two, but maybe getting older, or a guy that's, you know, kind of injury prone and a guy you don't really see the future in. Uh, he's a, you know, he is the future. He's 22 years old, and I don't think he's going anywhere, uh, and he's only getting better. You know, I, Jordan, you alluded to earlier about the Flyers, you know, most likely going to be, you know, playing it quiet in the offseason and, and not going out and making big splash moves. But going into the offseason, I always had my eye on this guy, and I've, you know, I've loved him as a player ever since he played at Boston College. He's a local guy for Salem County, Johnny Gaudreau. What do you think the likelihood is, is that they even just make a call to Calgary and, and check up on the price tag on him and, and bring him back to, back to Philly, uh, you know, playing for a team that he's alluded to multiple times uh, you know, that he'd like to play in this area. Um, but obviously he's been in Calgary his whole career. That's a fun question. I honestly, like, I don't want to put 
uh, water uh, on the fire or anything to that. Because I think it's fun to talk about. You never know. You really don't. Like you said, he's a local kid, um, likes Philly. Uh, he also played with Kevin Hayes uh, in college, at Boston College. Uh, those two took off when they played together. Kevin Hayes was a senior. Johnny Goudreau, I believe, was an underclassman, I believe. He was not a senior. I know I think he was like a sophomore, I think. Uh, those two led the country in scoring. They were 1-2. Johnny Goudreau was first in scoring that year. Kevin Hayes was second as he was a senior in college. Uh, and they were dynamic. They were prolific. Uh, and they are really good friends. I think that's another thing that, you know, probably I wouldn't close the door on because of Kevin Hayes' year long term. He's on a seven-year deal. And, uh, and Johnny Grigio is still very young. Had some bumps in the road up in Calgary. Obviously a local kid. Um, it's going to be tricky just with the money situation. Um, but Chuck Fletcher has been known, uh, you know, in Minnesota, he made some big deals. Wasn't, you know, wasn't shy from, um, you know, uh, kind of going for it uh, and creating optimism and excitement within the city. And those moves do it. <laughs> Bringing in a Johnny Gaudreau would do that. Um, I don't think it's likely and I think there would be a, it would just take a lot because obviously the money on top of what you would maybe have to give up would be, would be a ton. Um, but the Kevin Hayes factor, uh, and the Chuck Fletcher factor, and just, you know, maybe the Flyers are in a spot where they think they're that type of player away from really, really, you know, going to the Stanley Cup and, and, and going after it. But you never know. I, I, I won't count it out. I don't know if it's likely, but uh, it's certainly fun to talk about. And I, I don't think anyone should rule it out. Yeah, and, and kind of following up on that, Jordan, um, you know, if if that was, uh, you know, a, a player that they would pursue for a trade, um, you know, would you see them giving up some younger pieces? And, and do you think that's something that they would be willing to do at this point in time? Yeah, like that's the thing. It would take, you know, I, I think the drove can't, I believe he's under contract until 2022-23. So after, not after next season and not after the following season, but just that following following season, I believe he can, he's set to be a USA. So, hey, maybe at that point the Flames are looking to deal him because they know maybe he didn't like a ton here. He's probably going to get a big payday and a big contract elsewhere. Let's cash in on his value before we lose him for nothing. So, yeah, I think there's going to be trade buzz. You know, he's 27 years old, and at that point, he will be up for a new deal. The thing will the thing will be, is a team willing to gamble on trading for him by unloading prospects, prospects that you really value and that you think can help in the future, and then you lose, and then you have the factor of when he's set to be a free agent, will he come back? So it's kind of like, it's a tricky spot for teams that are going to want to trade because they're going to have to, yeah, they're going to have to give up a haul, no doubt about it. And then they're going to have to have the factor of, can we re-sign him when he's up? And that's the spot for the Flyers is that they certainly probably have the prospects and they'll probably have picks that they, they might be willing to give up. But will they be able to re-sign him come that time? I just don't know given they had so many young players that they're already probably eyeing to resign, they're already committed to Kevin Hayes, they have a vortex under contract, they still need to resign uh, Couture eventually, I believe, 
coming up uh, in that Goudreau time period. They'll have to give Sean Victoria a new deal. So they're going to have some commitments there. I just don't know if they'll have the wiggle room in terms of um, financial reasons. And then also, do they want to give up on some prospects that they really like? But uh, again, I would not rule it out. That, but that will be the biggest thing is um, the Cowboys' flames are going to demand a lot. And then it's going to also be, do you feel like it's just a one or two year thing? Can you re-sign Goudreau? Because when he hits the market, if he can, uh, he will demand a lot too. So those are, I think, are the two, uh, the two factors. Yeah, I wanna... yeah and, and kind of a big, and my fault, Connor, I'm just going to hop in here. Kind of a big storyline with this upcoming season. I know um, the Kraken are, are uh, going to be a new team coming into the league. Um, you know, with the expansion draft, do you see a particular flyer getting taken? And, and um, you know, if not a particular flyer, do you see maybe someone um, going in, in, you know, from this team? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something you start looking at now because uh, teams kind of strategically are planning kind of at this time, knowing that that expansion draft is coming up uh, before the 21-22 season. Um, and uh, obviously you can kind of strategically work around it by making sure you have certain players under contract that maybe you are willing to oppose um, and guys that you can protect. So off the top of my head, I think maybe – a Shane Gossett there or like a Robert Heck might be two guys that could could get taken. Shane Gossett there will be under contract. Uh, I think a player still with a lot of upside. He just had, you know, he had 65 points in 2017-18. A puck-moving defenseman that can score, and he's got team control, and his deal's not that big. He only makes $4.5 million. He's under contract, I think, until 2023-24. So uh, that team, the Kraken, could get him. And I think the Flyers, at that point, might be willing to not protect him because they're going to have guys like Corral, Sanheim, Myers, that they probably will want to protect. And then, obviously, they're going to have prospects coming, Jamula, Ken York, uh, some other defensemen that they like uh, will kind of be up and coming at that point. Robert Hedge, the same way. He's in RFA this year, so he's going to get a new deal. You know, he's not going to get anything crazy uh, for his new deal, but he should be under contract. And, you know, it's a defenseman probably around 26 years old and won't be, um, you know, will have a nice deal, uh, won't take a huge cap hit for the Kraken to the pick. And uh, a guy that the Flyers might leave unprotected, might have to. Uh, in terms of forwards, I know a big name among the Flyers fans is James Van Riemsdyk. I understand why. Again, he will be under contract. The Flyers have a lot of forwards they probably want to protect and will need to protect. And maybe JVR is a guy that they're open to exposing because you know, he'll be around 32 at the time. Uh, he had a $7 million deficit, so maybe that's a big salary that you could possibly shed by a team like the Kraken wanting to take, wanting to take him because he's a good player. He's a goal scorer, uh, a, a player that can help them right away. And then the Flyers might be open to it because – they have other forwards to protect, and it will be a big salary off their off their plate. Um, and a guy that also signed at a previous organization, uh, previous regime, he signed under Ron Hextall and with the head coach Dave Hextall. So I'm not saying the Flyers don't like him. Um, I think this year could go a big way, uh, could go a long way, uh, excuse me, in, in terms of uh, his status, because if he has a really big year, then maybe the Flyers think twice about leaving him unprotected. But um, a 
again, a, a guy that I don't think the organization will have super strong ties to, whereas maybe Ron Hextall would have given he signed him uh, to that deal. So I can understand why JVR is a guy. Because um, they have young forwards that they're probably going to you know, be high on, uh, a few young forwards that they're probably going to protect on top of the guys like Drew, Voracek, Kevin Hayes, Nakanisha, Torrey. So if I had to pick a forward, JVR kind of comes to mind. Um, but a lot can change. A lot can change. Do they sign Tyler Pitlick? Uh, do they sign some of these other roles forwards? What's the new deal for Nicholas Albe Kubel? Um, and then for two defensemen, just looking at it now, I think uh, Shane Gossifer and Robert Heck, I think, would be two guys that might be exposed and guys that might be attracted to take. Yeah, I want to ask you about uh, some Metropolitan or Metropolitan Division news today that dropped. Uh, Peter Aviette, former Flyers head coach, also coached the Carolina Hurricanes back in 06 when they won the Stanley Cup. Also, um, most recently, the Nashville Predators. He is now with the Washington Capitals. Uh, Washington, obviously, a disappointing season for them as well. Um, where, how do you think this fits, uh, you know, in the Metropolitan? Do you, th- do you now, do you think this makes the Caps, uh, you know, more dangerous than they were, you know, the previous seasons? Or um, do you think this still stays the same with the Metropolitan Division with obviously uh, the Penguins, obviously the Flyers there as well? Yeah, I like the move by the Capitals. I, I thought Pierre Laviolette was one of the better names on the market. Super experienced. Uh, he's taken three teams to the Stanley Cup. He's won it once. Um, and I think the Capitals had a pretty big goal prevention issue. They could score. Don't get me wrong, but they really struggled to prevent goals. And kind of, I think they lost some structure in the way they play. Um, they were a little too open, um, a little too one-sided in terms of knowing they could score goals, but didn't really know how to play the full full length of the ice. I think Peter Laviette's the guy that's going to kind of come in there. The man, which I kind of wanted to blame you, know did with the Flyers. A veteran group, core that's been there, and kind of needed structure, needed Structure needed some leadership, some direction, and Alinea, you know, the guy that kind of came in there and did that for the Flyers. I think Peter Laviolette could have a similar impact on the Capitals in terms of getting them to clean up some issues, getting them to play the right way, score the right way, without giving up the other end of the rank. So I thought it was a really good move, and I think it makes for a really fun, loaded metropolitan division. Even if you just look behind the bench, uh, you have Peter Laviolette. Elaine Vigneault, Gary Sauce with the Islanders, John Torello with the Blue Jackets, uh, Lindy Ruff with the Devils, who's been around, uh, Mike Sullivan, who's won twice with the Penguins. And that, those are some heavy hitters in the division. Um, and then you look at a Rangers team, up and coming kind of, young head coach, Kenny Panarin. Uh, they have the first overall pick, and we all know who they're going to take. Uh, so it makes for a pretty exciting division with a lot of experience behind the bench. Uh, the division was probably the, deep, the deepest and the best in hockey this year. I think anyone would argue that. And uh, it looks like it's only going to get better next year. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, for Flyers fans, maybe there's a little bit of worry that you know the division is not, uh, not going south. It's probably only going to get better. But as a hockey fan, I think you know it's going to make for some really fun, uh, exciting, intense hockey with experience on all sides. Yeah, and that moves by the Capitals today for Laviolette, um, at least to my, you know, at least to me, um, wasn't surprising. I thought once Trotz left there and, and um, you know, Reardon took over, he didn't really have control of that team. And it kind of showed, I thought, in the playoffs this year. So 
Um, yeah, I think you're right. Not a great thing for Flyers fans just because this division is so deep. I mean, you got the Rangers who have are one of the highest paid guys in the league. And they got the first overall pick and, and probably going to take Lafreniere. So this division is only going to get better. And, and um, kind of shifting now to, to one of our last uh, questions here. And again, Jordan, we really appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a fantastic interview and, and it's been a pleasure to have you. What do you yeah, think of the Stanley Cup? Yeah, of course. And, and what do you think of this upcoming Stanley Cup? I know the Stars um, have just came out of nowhere. They're going to the Stanley Cup representing the West. But Tampa Bay, New York uh, play tonight. And, and who do you think is coming out of that? And who do you think is winning the Cup? Great question. I want, I want your guys' take as well. Uh, for me, uh, in an article we did on uh, NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com, we, we had a bunch of these uh, before the season started kind of doing some fearless predictions for the Flyers, and then we also we picked our Stanley Cup winners. And I had Tampa Bay over uh, the Blues before the season started. Blues obviously did not do anything. Uh, obviously got into the playoffs, but uh, kind of fizzled. And then uh, Tampa Bay, uh, I'll stick with them. Just knowing I went with them before wasn't the uh, boldest pick, obviously, but I just felt like they were you know, coming off that historic regular season and then that historic upset in the first round last year, I just thought they were going to kind of come back motivated. Um, I think they were going to come back a different team. I thought they did some things to really address the issues that uh, kind of um, reared their ugly head against that Columbus Blue Jackets team last year. So they got more physical. They got tougher on top of just having high-end skill, high-end playmakers. So I thought uh, before the year, I just thought they were going to have a chip on their shoulder and get back to it. Um, I think they'll close out the Islanders. I think the Islanders are. I think New York's a really good team. Um, I think some people were thinking, seeing how they played so far against Tampa and how they're in a bit of a hole. Some people were thinking, well, the Flyers must be far away if, if the Islanders are getting worked by the Lightning. But I think the series has been closer than it looks. I think New York did really well against the Capitals, Panthers, and Flyers. I looked it up. The Panthers, Flyers. And uh, Capitals, they were three top seven scoring teams in the league this year. And the New York Islanders outscored them 54 to 31, plus 23 goal differential against three teams that really could put the puck in the net. I think that's a good team with a good coach. Um, I just think the Lightning are really, really good. So I think the Lightning will finish off New York, and I'm going to take them over the Stars. That, I'll, I'll stick with that. But uh, kudos to the Stars. They went through a lot this year. Uh, obviously, with the coaching change, um, that was kind of forced upon them. Uh, good for them. Seems like a fun group. I think it's going to be a fun Stanley Cup final, regardless. But uh, who are you guys taking? Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll no, no, Mark. I'll, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll let Connor go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I've, I'm surprised by Dallas. I didn't think Dallas was going to make it this far, and and. Um, you know, I doubted them multiple times throughout this process, but uh, I just think Tampa Bay's too talented up front. Obviously, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point. Uh, I love Victor Hedman. I think he's one of, if not the best defenseman in the league. And Vasilevsky in net is really good, too. And they don't even have Steven Stamkos yet, either, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. So they they have a lot of talent. Um, I'm, I'm going to take them over Dallas in six. But, you know, I've been doubting this Dallas team throughout the playoffs. And, you know, if they, if they do it again and upset it again, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. What about you, Mark? Yeah, so this one's weird, man, because I would go Tampa 100%. I mean, just with everything that happened last year, like you kind of said, Jordan, with the historic season and then the historic and, and just mind-blowing upset. Sure. Um, 
but you know, last year I thought Boston was was like Tampa. You know, they were rolling. They um, you know, they swept the Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Final last year after the Hurricanes. That was just wild last year how the Hurricanes swept. Um, forget who they swept prior, but they they swept and then they got swept. But yeah, you know, this Stars team really reminds me of the Blues last year. The Blues were really struggling, and and the Stars weren't as low as the Blues were last year, but. Again, a coaching change midway through the season, and Rick Bonus has done nothing but just ener- energize this group. Heisman's been phenomenal. Um, you know, he's picked third overall right behind Nolan Patrick. So essentially what I'm trying to get to here is I think the, the smart pick is Tampa, but I don't know, man. The stars are just rolling. Everything's clicking for him right now, and it'd be pretty cool to see someone there that, that hasn't been there in a while. So I'm going to go stars over Tampa wow. in uh, seven. I like it. No, I, I think there's always that factor of like a team that has nothing to lose. Whereas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Lightning will have a lot to lose, even though they've obviously have kind of turned the page since last season. Uh, you know, their core and their group, you know, could be that window could be closing eventually. Uh, this is going to be one of their best shots. Whereas, like the Stars, like you said, just had no reason really being here, given all it went through and. Um, that you're right because sometimes you just have like a gut feel and a feel of a team and like that team just seems like they're just clicking and uh i, I hope it's a really great series i i could see it going either way i think you're right that, that lightning team could be the safe pick but the stars could be the trend you take just because uh sometimes you see that in hockey those teams just no right or reason uh to be there uh like the blues kind of last year uh they do mm-hmm. it so i think it'll be fun it'll probably be fun yeah, and I, and I do want to say this real quick. Also, I mean, I know that series isn't over yet between Tampa and New York. Yeah. Um, but we even saw it. Like, with the Flyers, they were down 3-1 and, and came back and forced the game seven. So, um, I mean, obviously right now with Tampa up 3-1 and, and, like, we've been discussing the way they've been playing, I think they're going to go. But, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if New York wins tonight and, and they force the game seven. So, I would still watch that for, for this series. Absolutely. I think that series is a lot closer than it really looks. Obviously, the 8-2 game one was real lopsided, but obviously New York coming off a game seven win, like one day travel and then playing again against one of the you know, better offensive teams we've seen in some time. So I think that was just a product of like circumstances. So yeah, I agree. I think that New York series is a lot closer. And, you know, we saw what, three teams, I think, uh, Last round, come back from 3-1 deficits to force a game seven. So, you're right. I would not count on New York yet. Um, but, yeah, that Lightning team is fun, too. If you like offensive hockey like that, uh, they're fun to watch. I'm sure you guys have enjoyed it, too. Well, Jordan, we're all out of questions on this end. But, uh, again, for the 100th time, thank you so much for coming on and uh, taking the time out of your day to, uh, to jump on our podcast and talk about the Flyers and the rest of the NHL. As a couple young guys are trying to get into this business, we really appreciate talking to people who have been around uh, for a while and and uh, and giving us pointers as well for about you know for us trying to get into this business. Seriously, my pleasure, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. It's been fun and uh, love to see what you guys are doing. Keep keep doing it. Uh, have fun with it, and uh, and keep pushing towards what what you guys want to do. And um, you, you guys know you can always reach out to me. I'm I'm happy to help with anything. But uh, really 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 appreciate you guys having me on. No problem. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Really appreciate it too, man. And thanks for all the advice and and all that insider info. Absolutely. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Have fun. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs and uh, and definitely be in touch for sure. I'm sure. Alongside Mark Rogers, I'm Connor Gabe. Thanks again for joining all to come on. Uh, and we'll see you guys next week. 
Hey guys, did you enjoy the show? Well, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Connor underscore Mark underscore show to keep up with all of our content. You can listen to any of our episodes on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, or any other streaming host online.